Today we're finishing up our message series, Making the Most of Every Opportunity, as we talk about our relationship with the world. And you know, I have to be honest with you. You know, every Friday in the Baalbach household, it had become WandaVision Day. That's right, my family has been hook, lined, and sinkered with the Disney Plus Marvel show, WandaVision. And, and we anticipate it every Friday night when school's done, when work's done, to sit down and get the glimpse of the new episode. It's been an exciting show. And, you know, without spoiling anything, this is a journey of the Marvel character named Wanda and her love for Vision. In her brokenness, when she lost her love, Vision, in previous uh, movies, when she lost her love, she was broken. And here she is recreating a town into the reality that she wants it to be. You know, watching that show really made me think about our journey. Because I think so often in our life, we do the same thing. Because we're so beat down by the reality of this world, we just don't know how we can stand it. We don't know how we can take it. We don't know how we can deal with it. And we don't even want to get into this world anymore. We're so broken by what we see on the news, by what we're seeing all around us. And then what we do is we kind of retreat. We kind of build our own hex. We build our own walls so that we can live within the, rea the reality that we want. And can I just be honest with you? That is not healthy, nor is it biblical. As followers of Christ, we are not, we are not called to create our own walls, to separate ourselves from the world so that we can hide away in our own reality. The challenge that we live in is to identify how to live and interact within the world that we're in. That's the challenge that we're in. That's the journey that we face, that we're striving to be. Yet it feels so often that it's easier just to hide away. The world is so broken. The world is so beaten down. And when I look at this world and I look at the way what I'm called to do, I just feel so insufficient. I feel broken myself. And I wonder, how in the world can I survive? How in the world can I thrive in the brokenness that is, in the, that is this world? Because all it does to me is leave me more broken and disappointed and disheartened and beaten down. And I don't want to be beaten down anymore. I don't want to be disheartened anymore. I just don't want to deal with it anymore. So I build my wall of my own reality to escape. And it's not healthy. And it's not biblical. And we need to understand that our strength doesn't come from within us. You see, so often we feel so beaten down. We feel so broken because we assume and oftentimes live out with the idea that my strength comes from within me. That if only I could be stronger, if only I could be better, if, I, if only I could do more this or that, I can deal with the world. And when we do that, we lose sight of the reality that your strength and my strength never came within. It came from an external force and his name is Jesus. He's the one who provides strength to get through the world that we live in and to carry on. We need to rely on strength that is beyond us. You see, we are empowered through God's power. That's how we get our strength. You are empowered by the strength that comes from God. And to really fully understand this, we need to know who God is. See, the Bible teaches us that God is in the Trinity. 
He is God the Father who created everything that is, you and I and all the world and all the universe. And then there is the Son who is Jesus Christ who came into this world in flesh as a man who ultimately died for us on the cross to give us life. And then there is the Holy Spirit who God gave to us when we give our lives over to Jesus to guide us, to lead us, and to help us discern what is right and what is wrong and the choices that we make. That is God in the totality of who he is, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And through God, he gives us the power that empowers us to be strong. See, the Apostle Paul put it this way in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 and 11. Paul wrote this, Finally, be strong in the Lord, in, your, in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. You know, the word that Paul says here that's called in the English, be strong. Do you know the Greek word actually means empowered? This is the same Greek word that we see in the popular verse in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. That says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who empowers me. You know, God is his strength that gives us the ability to be empowered to stand strong in the world that we live in. Yet so often we look at these words and we just feel like we're beaten down. We feel like we're completely broken. And we don't think we have the strength to carry on. But in this verse we see God truly is a mighty God. He is one with great power. And he gives us the ability to stand strong. You see, all throughout the Bible, God revealed his strength that empowers us in, in unique ways. As you go through the Old Testament, you see stories like in Exodus chapter 17, when Moses and the Hebrew, Hebrew people were, fight, were fighting against a, a, a difficult enemy of the Amalekites. This enemy was strong and fierce. And Moses stood on the mountain with his staff. And every time he hooded, stood, uh, held his staff high, his army won. And every time his arm got tired and it fell, because it did, because we're humans, oh, that's too long, his army was beaten. See, God was revealing, it's never your power, Moses, it's my power revealed through you. If you fast forward to other places in the Bible, Judges 7, we see the mighty warrior of Gideon, who was taking the Hebrew army against the fiercest, meanest, nastiest nation of the day, the Midianites. And then God says before they went into battle, I'm going to dwindle your army down. You have too many people. And he dwindled his army down all the way to 300 people. And then they went into battle. And he said, all you can take, you can't have weapons. All you can have is a clay jar and a horn. That's it. Great battle weapons, right? But with a clay jar and a horn, the mighty Midianites fell. And God revealed, it's not your strength. I'm empowering you through my power. In 1 Samuel 17, we see a young boy named David who was going up in the Valley of Elah against the fiercest and nastiest and meanest giant that there ever lived in, the day, in that day. His name was Goliath. He was so fierce of a warrior. There wasn't one Israelite uh, soldier that wanted to go up against him. Not one. But this young teenager whippersnapper of a boy, all he had was a stone, his, uh, uh, all he had was a sling, some stones, and his faith. And he walked down to that valley, and he knocked that giant down. And God just revealed, it's not your strength. It's my strength empowering you to be powerful, to stand strong. In Joshua 6, we see the nation of the Hebrew people going up against Jericho with their mighty, mighty wall that seems so unbeatable and unattainable. 
And God said, walk around that wall seven times and just blow your horns like you're in a marching band. And on the seventh time around, the wall came tumbling down. And in that moment, God revealed, it's not your strength. It's my strength that empowers you to have power to stand strong in this world. You see, in every situation all throughout the Bible, from the Old Testament to our day-to-day, God reveals that it's his power that empowers us. His victory is found through him, not you and not I. So stop trying to find your power within your own abilities and lean into Jesus. Lean into Jesus. Our power comes through God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. You know, all throughout the letter of Ephesians, Paul has an underlining reality of the Spirit at work within our lives. Because the Spirit is the part of the Godhead that he gives to us when we give our lives to Jesus to guide us and lead us and help us to make right choices and to give us uh, strength when we, are, when we are weak. And throughout that letter, we see that. That's why in Ephesians 4.30, Paul identifies the Holy Spirit and says, do not grieve the Spirit. Because when we grieve the Holy Spirit, we're breaking the heart of God. In other words, we're tuning him out and going, to, going against what he desires and following our own path. And basically, God's saying, don't tune me out. I'm your source of strength. I am your power that empowers you. This is why Paul revealed over and over in this letter to stand, to stand firm, to stand strong against the devil's schemes. Because this is what it all comes down to, my friends. It's the devil. And I know so often we don't like to talk about that. You know, we like to have the more good, feel-good stories, and I don't want to talk about the devil. But you see, the reality is this, in any type of warfare, the less you know about the enemy, the more the enemy wins. And it's the same true spiritually. If we don't understand the reality of who Satan is, we can never find the ability to stand strong against his schemes. And so it all starts, starts with, who is the devil? Who is this figure? You know, the devil is a fallen angel. The devil was once an angel in God's army, a, a hierarchy of angels. But you see, he believed that I want to be God, I can be God, I can be better than God. And so he formed a, an army within other angels who joined forces with him to go up against God. And guess what? They lost. And their future is hell. You see, hell was created for Satan and his army, who were the fallen angels who we now know as demons. That's who they are. He, they know their future. And they are evil. And their greatest desire is when their future is completely known to them, they want to take as many as us, of us as they can. That's their mission. That's their focus. And throughout the New Testament, the devil is identified with the names that are given to him. In Matthew 4, 1, he's called the devil. In Revelation 12, 10, he's called the accuser. In Matthew 13, 19, he's called the evil one. In John 12, 31, he's called the prince of this world. In 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, 14, he's, he's, he's described as one who masquerades as an angel of light. In John 8, 44, he is the father of lies. You see, the devil's primary objective is to win control of our minds and our hearts. That's his primary objective. The battleground is your mind and your heart. 
That's what he wants. Because if he can pull our heart away from the heart of God, he wins. He wins. And so what are his schemes? You you need to remember that he is the father of lies, who masquerades as an angel of light. And so we need to understand, okay, we understand who he is, but what are his schemes that he tries to use to, to pull me away from Jesus? You know, in other words, the majority of his efforts are not found in, in the popular opinion of satanic activity. That's not actually where the majority of his work is. You know where the majority of his work is? Deception. His primary goal is is to deceive you and me. That's his his objective. That's that's the majority of his work. And the areas of of his deception are really focused. Sometimes his area of deception for you is that he wants to make you believe that he's not real. He wants you to think that he's just a fairy tale, that he's, a, he's been made up, that there really is no hell, that God loves and everybody's going to heaven and we're all good to go. Let's just do our best to live the way that we're supposed to live. And that's what he tries to do, that he doesn't exist or that, that hell doesn't really exist. And if he can get you to believe that, he wins. He wins. Or his other line of deception is to cause you to question God. And question the reality of God. You know, he did this very, at the very beginning in the garden with Eve. When the serpent came and began to tempt Eve who had everything in the garden except for that one tree of knowledge. And Satan deceived her into believing, hey, God's holding out on you. I mean, he doesn't really know what's best. He doesn't want what's best for you. I mean, if he wanted what's best for you, he'd give you that. But he doesn't really want you to have that because he thinks you'll become God. He doesn't want you to become God. He wants to kind of consume you and control you. And if he can cause us to tempt to question God, that he's holding out on us, or that God doesn't exist, or God's letting us down because of the bad stuff in the world, he wins. Or maybe he deceives us in another way, and that is to cause us to turn our enemy away from him to other things within this world. And if he can make us believe that those in this world are our enemy, he wins. He wins. Remember, Paul put it this way in Ephesians 6, 12, that says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's where a battle really is. You see, my friends, this is the totality of reality. This is what this is all about. We want to understand the full essence of what, re- what is real. Well, there's two sides of it. There's the physical world that we see, and then there's a the spiritual world that we don't see. And beyond our sense of being able to see is a spiritual world that God is always at work, and so is Satan. And they're always at work in the battleground of our hearts and our minds. And so often this just beats us down. The battle beats us down because we try to rely on our own strength. We try to rely on our own ability. And before we know it, we don't like this reality. We need to escape it because I don't want to deal with that anymore. And so we try to build our walls because we just don't feel strong enough. We're so beaten down by life. We're so beaten down by this world. But yet, we've lost sight of something. You see, our power comes through putting on the full armor of God. You see, our power comes from the more we engage Jesus. 
And the more we engage him, the more we realize the power that he wants to use to empower us to stand strong in our life, in our journey. This is clothing ourselves with the resources that God made available to us. That's what this is all is. God provided resources that he made available to us so that we can be empowered to stand strong in the world that we live in. And the reason so often we feel so beaten down is because we're not utilizing the resources that he's given to us. I'll do it my way. I don't have time for this. Or whatever it might be. And we just kind of push it away. Or maybe sometimes you're like me where you, you act like God's more like a buffet line. I mean, I, I have issues when I go to buffets. I'll be honest with you. I mean, the pandemic, the one good thing for me in the pandemic was buffets were taken away. I mean, they're no longer there. I hope they come back one day. But you see, when I go to a buffet, it's not good. You know why? Because I pick and choose what I want, and oftentimes I pick and choose the things that aren't good for me. <laughs> That's the problem I have at buffets. And so often we do the same thing with Jesus. We, choose, we create him to be almost like a buffet to us. Okay, Jesus, I want that. Uh, yeah, if you can give me that, Jesus, and do that for me. Hey, I, I might do that for you. No, I don't want to do that. Keep that away. And we pick and choose what we want or what we're willing to do in our relationship with Jesus. And then we wonder why, okay, Jesus, I treated you like a buffet, picking and choosing what I really want. And we tend to pick the things that more not really are the things we need for our health. And then before we, want, before we know it, we're wondering, God, what happened? Where have you been? See, God's not a buffet. He's provided all these resources for us. And Paul's saying we need to completely clothe ourselves with these resources. These resources that he goes into. You want to stand firm? You want to be empowered? Well, here's the power. Here's how to engage that power. Beginning in verse 14 of Ephesians 6, Paul writes, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can ex extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the, for the Lord's people. Did you catch it? You see, fully engaging Jesus empowers us to stand firm against what life throws at us. You want to have the ability to stand strong in the wages of war that is life? It's more about how much you engage Jesus or how much you try to do it all on your own. You know, when I read this passage, I can only imagine what's going on with the Apostle Paul. You see, the Apostle Paul, in this moment, he was chained. He was imprisoned. He was beaten down. He was being whipped. He was being a man who wasn't given all of his daily meals. He was broken. And here he was, most likely chained to a Roman soldier, writing this letter to the church in Ephesus. And then in this moment, as he talks about how to be strong, how to have the strength when you're broken by life, and there he is, a broken man, he looks up and he sees the Roman soldier. Aha! I can only see in Paul's eyes. That's the picture. That's it. The armor. That's our strength. That's the strength we need. And then he uses that visual to then provide to, to the church and to us today on 
putting on the full armor of God that will protect us, that will get, empower us to stand firm within this world. He starts with the belt of truth. You see, the belt of truth, the belt was for the Roman guard was a, ro- was a leather apron worn underneath the armor, almost like breeches. And you know what it did? It held everything together. It held the whole armor together. And it provided the protection that they, they needed to, to protect their vital organs, but also give them the mobility as a soldier to fight and to march. This belt was the most needed part because it held it all together. He says, this is the belt of truth. You know, God's truth is what holds everything together. If we don't start there, then everything falls apart. It all begins with his truth. His truth is the mold that we need in our life. It guides us. It guides our choices. It guides the words we use. It guides us to, become the, to be the person that we are to become. That's where it all starts. And then he moves on to the breastplate of righteousness. You know, the breastplate worn by the soldier was a strong and, and it was light. It gave them more mobility but provided them such great protection. It's been said by, in the day that an arrow shot from 20 paces away could go right into that breastplate and only cause a minor scratch. That's how strong this was. And it protected that Roman soldier's most vital organs of their heart and their lungs. You see, this is the example that we are to follow God in our personal conduct and the people that we become, our very nature, our hearts that drives our personality and the people that we are. You know, we follow God's example of ethics and of integrity that should make us the people that we are and that we grow to become. And he talks about the footwear of the, of the soldier, and the gospel of peace. You see, the Romans swore these low half-boot shoes that were open soles, and they were studded with these sharp nails at the bottom that gave them more grip on the ground. It was the world's first cleats, and it gave them the ability to march further than they could ever march before, using less energy than they ever had before, and be ready for battle. It gave them the ability. And Paul is saying that is what gives us the ability to be mobile and agile and hostile as followers of Christ. And all the irony here is it all is centered around the gospel of peace. That's the irony. In war, the thing that, as Christians, that pulls us out, that gives us our mobility as followers of Christ, is peace. The peace of Christ. Not trying to be right. Not trying to win debates. The peace of Christ is what guides us and leads us. Jesus even said on the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the peacemakers. From there I can only imagine Paul scanning over the Roman guard that was with him on that day. He says, ah yes, the shield. The shield of faith. This, this is what protects the forces. This, this shield was so big, it would cover the whole body of the soldier. It was rectangular, and it would have oxide all around it. And you know what the oxide did? See, in that day when they were in battle, they would, the, the enemies would put uh, 
the arrows into, into oil or, or whatever and put, light them on fire and shoot them and shoot flaming arrows. And the ox hide will protect that from the flaming area, arrows that were flying overhead and completely covered the entire soldier from those attacks. And Paul says, hey, that shield of faith, that's what protects us. All the attacks that Satan tries to do, all of his deception, everything he tries to counter us with, the faith, shield of faith is there. Because the faith is knowing that God is going before us. And no matter what happens, God is by our side. And he is our strength and he is our shield. And then Paul looks up and he sees the helmet. The helmet is one of the most amazing parts to the Roman soldier. It's one of the most visual um, things about the Roman soldier to determine what their motives are, what their intentions are, what they're about to do. You see, the armor was made of bronze, and it was strapped onto the soldier. And when they were marching, it was just hanging on their backs, on the strap. But when it was time for battle, and only when it was time for battle, the helmet went on. And when the helmet went on, the army knew it's time. Let's go. Let's go. You know, the helmet of salvation, the reality of the hope that we have that's found through Jesus who died on the cross. We know when we put on this helmet of salvation, we know no matter what is about what I'm about to get into, no matter what enemy I'm about to face, no matter what lie or deception Satan tries to throw at me, I'm ready. It's time because my hope is secure. And I'm experiencing my hope not just in eternity, but for now. I can experience him. You see, it's the hope in knowing that God's gone before us. God has already won. Our victory is already secure. There's no guesswork in that. When the Bible talks about hope, it is 100% certain. You don't have to say, I don't know, it could, maybe it should have. No, it is for sure. And my hope is a for sure thing. No matter what happens in this world, and the Bible tells us the world's going to fall, fall apart. We know that for a fact. But no matter what happens around me, my hope is secure because of what happened on that cross. Amen. And because of that, my helmet is on. And I'm ready to go. What about you? What about you? And then Paul talks about the only offensive weapon within this whole armor. It's the spirit. It's the sword of the spirit. The sword was, the Romans used was small and sharp because it was made to use in close quarters and hand-to-hand combat. And here Paul says, your offensive weapon, your ability to charge forward is the reality of the spirit within your own life. When we give our lives to Jesus... God gives us his spirit that guides us, that leads us, and directs us on the path that we are supposed to take. And when we don't know the words to answer people with, he gives us the words. When we don't have the strength to stand with what life throws at us, he gives us the strength. It's the spirit of God within us. He is the source of strength that we need. He is the power that empowers us. And all is founded upon prayer. Paul circles it all back around to that. You see, 
we need to maintain consistent and daily contact with our commanding officer. It's basically what Paul is saying. We pray in the spirit, we're maintaining our connection with our commanding officer, who is God. And any army, any soldier, if they're not regularly connected with their commanding officer, they're in big trouble. They're going to be so clueless on what they're supposed to do or which direction they're supposed to go. Because the commanding officer is that gives them the direction, that gives them the support they need. And the same is true in our relationship with Jesus. My friends, so often we wonder why we feel so weak, but yet it goes days and weeks before we ever even hang out with Jesus. Can I just encourage you, if there's one step you can take today, if you're not already, can you make it a priority every day of your life to just spend with him? Talk to him. That's what prayer is. And you're saying, well, Bill, I'm too busy. Life's got too much going on. I mean, I struggle with finding the time. I'm going to counter that thought with this. Arguably the most busiest man this world has ever known was a man named Jesus. And every day of his life, he found the opportunity, he made the opportunity to break away from the crowd, to break away from what was his busyness, to focus on his relationship with God the Father. And if he can do it, I think we can make the time too. And it all needs to start there. Spending each day, spending time each day just to pray, just to talk to him. Because you see, standing firm is all about fully engaging Jesus and relying on his strength. You want the strength to get through this life? Because we all get beat up and down. It's the more you engage with Jesus. So what's your next step? Every one of us, no matter where we're at in this journey, we have a next step. And some of you may be sitting here or joining us online, and you may be saying, Bill... I never even took the first step. I've never even engaged in a real relationship with Jesus. I, I've never taken that step. I, I've never given my life to Jesus. I never said, Jesus, you are my all. I, I want to give my life to you. I confess that you are my Lord and my Savior. I've never been baptized. And baptism is that place that we saw earlier in the service. It's that way we identify with Jesus in his death, his burial, and his resurrection where we die to our old selves and we come up as a new person in Christ. And we completely identify with him on, on his death and his rising from the grave. And some of you need to take that step. Some of you have been prolonging to take that step. But maybe today's the day to get real and fully embrace the heart of God. Identify with him in his death, his burial, and resurrection. And experience new life with him. You know, if that's you, we would love to talk to you at Engage Impact and talk to you about what that step would mean for your life. Or you might be like, Bill, I want to do that right now. We're, we can make that happen today after service. You saw the baptism's already ready. Don't go away. If you feel that step is where you need to take, it's time to take it. Or maybe you've been following Jesus and you've been kind of building that wall, building your own reality, trying to escape the world because you just don't want to deal with it and trying to go through it and you just find it, kind of see your world just kind of not going the way you hoped it to. That's you. What's your next step? Maybe you need to get more intention, be, find yourself in more intentional groups that we call growth groups here. Intentional community where other people will encourage you and, and help you in that journey. And journey, make the journey together. 
Maybe you need to take that step and say, Bill, I barely ever pray. I just need to start praying each day. Maybe you need to read God's word, get the belt of truth fixed up in your life. Whatever it might be, we all have a next step. What is it for you? It's time to take that step to experience God more. Because our power is found when he empowers us and makes us strong. So what is it for you? It's time to experience Jesus more. Don't let life beat you up. Don't get destroyed by this world. Let the power of God give you the ability to interact with this world as you begin to experience the hope that comes through a real relationship with Jesus. Because his hope is secure. And his strength in your life can be true and real for you as well. Let's pray together. Father God, we love you. And in this moment, we just come to you. Lord, help us to experience you more. Lord, help us to know you more. Father God, I know so many of us, myself included, that, that life just beats us up. So much bad news, so much disappointment, so much hurt and pain. And, and sometimes we just, we just don't know how we can get through each day. And so often for myself, and I know many other people probably can say the same thing, we just try to break ourselves away from the world to try to create our own reality because we just don't want to deal with the world. But Lord God, in so many times when we do that, we push you away too. And then we, we fall even more. But Lord, in this moment, may we just take the steps to experience your power that will empower us to be strong in every day of our life. Lord, I pray right now for those people in this room or online who, you know, right now I know your spirit is moving in their heart to, to, to take a step, whether it's give their life to you and be baptized. Lord, I pray that today they'll come and talk to somebody and take that step. Maybe it's overcoming some sin habit that they've been dealing with and just being honest with that to be a person of integrity. Lord, I pray that you help them to find the intentional community to help them with that. Lord, if it's they just need to hang out with you and spend time praying or in your word more regularly, Lord, I pray that they will take that step and even find intentional community to help them be accountable in that, so that they can grow in a deeper relationship with you and with others. Lord, we all have a next step, and may each of us identify that what that is, and may your spirit motivate us to take it. It's in your name we pray. Amen.